Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson. Pastor of JF Believers Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and click subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. The Gospel of Mark, Chapter 8. If these men began to announce to the world that Jesus was the Messiah, at this point there would no doubt be a few skewed versions of the truth. Each of these men seemed to have come to Jesus looking for, well, a certain kind of Messiah. A political one, or a military one, or a miracle healer, or a supplier of food, etc., etc. Ironically, I think this is the same list that is still out there today. They acknowledged that he was the Messiah, but such acknowledgement was incomplete at that point. It didn't really understand what this Messiah was actually supposed to do. And yet they did understand what he was supposed to be. Verse 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Suddenly, their eyes were being opened. Their understanding herein was being broadened. The bigger picture was coming to them in doses, thankfully, that they could swallow. Certainly, the understanding I have of Jesus today and his plan for me, well, is still unfolding daily. I can't pretend that I had a clear picture of ministry when I started. I failed to grasp the battleground that I was entering at that time, or the warfare, or, well, the sheer cost of being his disciple. Jesus was in no way trying to trick me, nor was he trying to trick the apostles who walked with him. After all, any, at any point a person could have and still can take the position of, well that's enough and simply walk away. Many did, and many still do today. However, the demands of my job did indeed grow as my understanding grew. I have no doubt it will continue and that he will finish that which he has begun. The apostles were finding out some rather deep truths about Jesus and what his master plan was, all of which was not easy to deal with, and Peter, of course, was the first to speak up. He spoke to them openly, verse 32. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But he, Jesus, turning around, seeing his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of men. Now let's get something straight right from the start. Peter may have been a bit brash and quick with his tongue. Indeed, he may have stumbled a few times. There's no reason to believe that Peter acted in any way but out of love. Foolish, yes, but certainly well-motivated. But just because he meant well doesn't mean he wasn't being used by Satan in this matter. It happens, even if we don't see it coming. Peter went from heavenly inspired to demonically inspired in just a matter of a few minutes. How can we think that we are any less vulnerable? It's hard for us to grasp this scenario where such a perfect love was wrapped in such a painful cloak. I mean, Jesus was going to be beaten and executed very soon after this exchange for doing nothing more than just simply loving mankind. 
Jesus, while teaching of his impending death, was also teaching a rather chilling reality. And that is that love is not painless. Real love comes at a price, and it is not to be confused with compassion. That fact is very hard for many people to accept, even today. In fact, many simply do not accept that truth and inadvertently war against what God is doing with raising his children. And Peter was one of these. Verse 34, he called the multitude to himself with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, this is an oft-recited passage and is interpreted, frankly, in so many different ways. For some, it has motivated them to carry life-size crosses across the country. You know, firstly, we read here, quote, whoever desires to come after me, end quote. So I guess we need to first ask ourselves if this mail is even intended for us. We must ask ourselves if we really are desiring to follow Jesus. I mean, if that is not true for us, we will fail to follow through with this second matter, and that is to deny ourselves in light of that. So unless we are truly in love with Jesus, and we are willing to have him love us in return, now, not just compassion, not just nice feelings, but actually love us, agape love us, we will fail to ever know what it means to deny ourselves. We cannot deny ourselves if we still love ourselves and love our, li- our lives more than we love Christ. For to deny ourselves, pick up a cross, speaks of the element of death. For the cross, you see, was a tool of execution. And it may not today be a popular pulpit message, but I'm here to tell you, that our Lord is clearly asking us to share in that death, in his death, to share in his death. It may be a spiritual death and not a physical one, but let me tell you, the effect upon us is no less profound. For to die to self means that all of our personal plans, our dreams and goals, well, they go to the chopping block. It means that For the question, who do I say he is? Well, the answer to that question is Lord. Finally, what we are to do with that life is simply follow him. That directive flies in the very face of a world that wants you to follow it. Success, family first, money, comfort, etc., etc. The list is long. Even much of the broader church today has just surrendered and incorporated the world's list and is far from following Jesus to the cross. Today, rather, we exalt ourselves, not die to ourselves. Verse 35. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake and the sake of the good news will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what will a man give in exchange for his life? For whoever will be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Well, for many of us, it takes a lifetime to acknowledge the truth of that passage. 
Something inside of us desires to know our Creator, but frankly, only on our own terms. We want all that this world has to offer and redemption and a blessed walk in eternal life. How many of us spend a lifetime attempting some sort of balance between what we want and what He wants? Our tendency is to attempt to do just enough to get us into heaven and to still have the pleasures of the flesh in the world. So the answer today to the question, who is Jesus, can vary from one person to the next, even among those who confess to be born again. What separates the joyous believer from the struggling one is that the latter individual has yet to let go of his life outside of Christ. We are so often ashamed of these words of Christ. We are unwilling to surrender to him. And we will be dealt with as herein described when we stand before the Father at judgment. For the unbeliever is holding tightly to his life, believing he really has something to lose. And it is a trap of the world and the deceit from Satan to keep us so preoccupied with ourselves and our own pursuits for just long enough that the devil can steal our lives and finally our heart will turn. When will we realize that Jesus came to save us, not only from sin and the flames of hell, but moreover, he came to save me from myself, the smallest prison you'll ever be in. That was our daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Pastor Tim or JF Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.